Good evening. This is Karen Nutt, Director of Child Development Services with the Braille Institute. I'm happy to introduce the Dr. Bill Telephone Series. It is an educational program focusing on pediatric eye conditions for parents, teachers, and other professionals working with young children with visual impairments. The topics presented should not be considered a medical or educational consultation, but information to help us better understand pediatric eye conditions. Tonight's topic is visual perception skills, and I now hand it over to Dr. Bill. Thank you, Dr. Bill. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. I really appreciate this. Well, first of all, I want to thank all of you for attending this particular program tonight, and this is a topic that is very, very important for all parents, all teachers, and doctors to truly understand, and this is visual perception. In our past lectures, we have talked about the new biomedical developments that are very, very promising that we think will help many children and adults who suffer from low vision. We talked about stem cell treatments and how stem cells can be developed into healthy cells of the eye to help to restore vision. We also talked about the developments of gene therapy, where we are able to identify the bad genes that are not producing the normal proteins to provide normal vision. And we have also talked about very, very exciting news of having electrical implants implanted directly onto the brain such that a person could wear a pair of glasses with a high-resolution camera, and it will send the signal directly to the brain to restore vision. Now, even though all of these developments are extremely important, there's another very important thing that we must think of, and that is visual perception. Visual perception is the brain's ability to interpret the information sent by the eyes to the brain. In other words, if we did not have the visual perception skills in the brain, it wouldn't matter if we had perfectly healthy eyes because the brain would not know how to interpret what has been seen. It would be such that the brain would see all of these objects and images, but it would not be able to know if that is a face of a human being or if that's a plate of food. So the visual perception is a skill that children and adults will learn to develop with time. And it is very, very important to note that even children who are born with perfectly healthy eyes, they have limited visual perception. It takes years for the brain to develop these connections so that it can understand what it is able to see. So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to go over what are some of these visual perception skills. The first one that we talk about is what is called facial recognition. You know, it is almost an innate reflex that most babies, when they are just born, they will make eye contact 
and look at the faces of their mother or the father or the doctor or the nurse in the room. They do not have the ability to move their eyes to make eye contact, but they will tend to turn their head and they will directly look at the eyes. We know that this particular type of facial recognition is a visual perception skill that occurs in the occipital lobe of the brain. And it is very, very important that we take advantage of the fact that children have this particular type of reflex early on in life. So in other words, when we see a newborn baby and we later bring that baby home, it's very important to keep playing games that involve your face. Position your face 8 to 16 inches away from the child and allow the child to make eye contact. You may notice that with time that the baby will begin to laugh when you make faces or you might play a game of peekaboo where you cover the baby's eyes and uncover the baby's eyes and the baby sees your face and they may start to laugh and giggle. So this particular type of facial recognition is a very, very important skill to develop. We know that there are some children who have poor facial recognition skills. And some of these children who have poor facial recognition skills, it may be because they have blurred vision, but other times they may have perfectly healthy eyes, but they do not make normal facial recognition. Children with autism often have difficulty making eye contact. Children with autism, they often do not react if you're making faces. If you play peekaboo or you make silly faces in front of those children, they may not laugh when you're making these games with them. So when a child has these particular types of visual facial recognition difficulties, we want to continue to do activities to develop that skill. It's also very helpful that we make certain that we have enough lighting so that your face will be illuminated. You know, some babies' rooms are going to be very dark and they can't see very well unless we turn on additional lighting. It's also good for moms or even if some dads want to do it, they could put on makeup or lipstick to increase the contrast so that it's easier for the child then to see. But it's also very important that we introduce new faces. It shouldn't only be mom's face. Let's get the neighbors, let's get dad, let's get brothers, sisters, whoever it is, and let's present these faces so that the child becomes familiar and begins to learn to recognize other faces. There are some situations that children will become very frightened and cry when other people come around because they don't have this ability to identify or discriminate different types of faces. Now, as a child gets a little bit older, after about three months of age, you could then begin to move your face a little further away, and you could make note of how far the child is able to recognize your face. You could then move your face in different locations, and you may then begin to notice that the child is starting to move the eyes a bit more. So this is a way that you could monitor the development 
of the visual facial recognition perception. Now, another very important visual perception skill is called visual discrimination. And what we mean by discrimination is, does this child seem to be able to understand the difference, something different between different objects? In other words, we want to make certain that this child knows the difference between a stuffed animal that we might present in front of the child and mom's face. When we use different types of toys, a variety of different types of toys, this is a way that the child's visual regions of the brain are going to be able to identify certain features of it. For example, the brain will begin to learn to identify what is that color. And for many children, they may identify specific colors as being their favorite at a very young age. For example, many young children will be most interested in black and white during the first three to six months. But shortly after that time, you may then notice that they're very interested in red and white patterns. So you can use toys that have these different colors. And if you're using primary colors early on, it helps them to identify and to make that kind of discrimination. That's called the visual discrimination perception. We then will find that the child will begin to favor certain types of toys. Maybe a child will like the Mickey Mouse stuffed animal that you're holding in front. Maybe the child's able to see the big black ears of Mickey Mouse and the black eyes and the black nose. Those are things that are very prominent. And when a child is able to discriminate to identify what that figure is or that it's Mickey Mouse, you may then notice that your child is then going to become interested in other objects that have Mickey Mouse. You may suddenly put on a T-shirt for that child that has Mickey Mouse's face, or you might have a plate that has Mickey Mouse's face, and that will be something that the child will scream and laugh and giggle about because they prefer that particular item, and that is something that they enjoy. But as the child is getting older, we continue to introduce different objects, and the child will learn to discriminate shapes. For example, when a child's getting a little bit older, we could use shape sorters, and the child will learn to discriminate the difference between a circle and a square. You can use these different types of shape sorters, and at first, they may have no idea of where that particular shape would belong. But with time, they could identify that that particular shape is a circle and they will put the circular block right in the place that it belongs. And they will then identify a square and put the square where that belongs. And after a child develops that level of visual discrimination, they are now ready to learn to identify and discriminate numbers and letters. Now, it is very, very important for kids to develop this type of visual discrimination in this sequence because 
I see a lot of children who are in elementary school. These are kids who are 10, 11 years old, and they still mix up many of the numbers and letters. The reason that they mix it up, it is not because their vision is blurred, but it's because they have poor visual discrimination skills. Now, another visual perception skill that's also very important to develop is what we call visual memory. We could show a child an object, or we could show a child a letter or a word, but if the child can't remember it the next day, or they can't remember it a couple hours later, these children are going to have significant difficulty at school. Visual memory is very, very important, not only when they learn the names of a person's face, or letters and numbers and words, but visual memory is something that we would use in every part of our everyday life. Can you imagine if you had a new iPhone, but you couldn't remember what those screens looked like? It would be very difficult to use the iPhone because you wouldn't remember what happens when you touch those specific buttons. I know that for myself, even when I had vision and the phones came out, it was very, very difficult to use some of these things. So you want to develop your visual memory. And the way you could do the same sort of thing is that as children get a bit older, two years to three years of age, you can begin to play games where they have to try to remember where certain things are. One of the games that we like to show parents to do with their kids is let's say that the child does like Mickey Mouse. You might go ahead and you're going to get four paper plates. And underneath each paper plate, you're going to put a picture. One will be Mickey, another will be Donald Duck, another will be Goofy. And what you're going to do is you're going to show the child where you're putting the Mickey Mouse, and then you cover it. And then you want to let the child try to use visual memory to remember which of these plates was it hidden under. And when they lift up the plate, they do find it, they're happy, then you mix them up again, and you put them in a different location. So that's one way of developing visual memory. Another way that you could do visual memory is you can actually use flashcards. Maybe these are pictured flashcards. Maybe they're playing game flashcards. Or you can even take photographs and develop two sets so you have identical pictures. But you might remember the game called Match Game. And let's say that you're going to take eight cards or eight pictures and you turn them upside down or over so that the child can't see what is the picture. And what the child is going to try to do is to try to flip over two pictures or two cards and to get a match. So this is the way that the child will remember what that picture was the last time they flipped it over. And when they do flip over to that match, 
they get to keep those cards and later they might win a toy or you could play for other types of incentive reasons. Another type of thing that you could also do is if you're looking for some of the different types of video games. Video games have some very nice features so that with some of these different video games, it will have a visual memory game. Now, this is for almost all the different systems, and these games are actually old games, so you may even find them at garage sales. But what these particular types of games will do is it will flash a picture on the screen. Let's say, for example, that it's an apple, a red apple. And the screen is then going to become blank. And then four other pictures are going to come on the screen. And it might be a red ball. It might be a red tomato. It might be a red apple. And then it might be an orange. So four different things. And then the child has to identify which one was the picture that flashed up there. When they click on the right item, then the video game gives them points. So this is another very, very good way that you could go ahead and work to develop these types of visual memory skills. Now, another very important visual perception skill is called visual-spatial relations. Visual-spatial relations. Now, it's a big word. It sounds difficult and complicated, but what we really want the children to learn is that the orientation of a toy or an object or later a letter, it has a different meaning. For example, it makes a difference which way that the computer, if you have a laptop computer, it makes a difference where the keyboard is and where is the screen facing. If it's not facing the right direction, then the child will not be able to use that computer or the child won't be able to see what's on the screen. It also makes a difference, the orientation of a child's shoe. If they do not understand the orientation of the left shoe versus the right shoe, then it's very difficult for them to put the correct shoe on the correct foot. As the kids are later learning to identify letters at school, it'll make a significant difference if they cannot determine the difference between a lowercase b and a lowercase d. Now, these particular types of visual spatial perception skills they do take time to develop. For example, we expect, we expect that by the age of the seven years of age that boys and girls should not have this type of confusion of reversing numbers or letters. When they're younger and they're learning to identify letters, it's very common that they still may confuse a letter B or letter D or letter P or letter Q. But we could begin to introduce different games that will teach children how to understand the significance of the orientation. 
So one of the nicest ways that we could do something like this is that we could use different types of blocks. Now, you can purchase wooden blocks, and it may have a square, and it might have a triangle, and it might have a circle, it might have a diamond. And what you want to do is to find these blocks so that you have two identical sets of the blocks. One set of blocks will be for you, and the other set of blocks will be for your child. And what you do is you're going to put out two blocks, and you're going to ask your child to superimpose the exact same blocks on top of your blocks. Now, by using larger wooden blocks, maybe blocks that are six inches by six inches, it gives the child something easy to grab and they get a lot of tactile feedback. But this is a way that they can learn the importance of the orientation of how things fit. Where do they go? As they get better with it, you can then teach them to build the block on the left side first. And this will then teach them how to go from left to right in a reading pattern, which will prepare them for reading as they get older. Now, after the child is able to superimpose two blocks on top of two blocks, you could then increase it to three or four or five or six or seven and just make it into a game so that the child wins points or wins whatever it is that you want to reward him or her with so that it becomes something that is fun. Now, after the child is able to do that with seven or eight blocks, the next step is you do not want them to have the ability to just simply superimpose their block on your block. But they're going to put it just beneath your block. And this is going to teach them how to replicate a pattern without putting it directly on top of yours. It sounds like it would be very, very simple, but this transition could be very, very difficult for many, many children. So you might begin with two blocks and see if they could identify that correct block and put it beneath that one. As your child is getting older, you could make this activity a little bit more difficult in that you might be four or five feet away. And then the child is then going to be four or five feet away from your blocks, and they're going to have to replicate that particular type of pattern. And later, when the child is getting older, then we would recommend that you would purchase an activity. This is available at Lakes Shore Stores educational toy stores, and the blocks that we'd recommend would be purchasing two sets of Tangram blocks. That's spelled T-A-N-G-R-A-M, two sets of Tangram blocks. Now, these particular blocks are much smaller, and because they're smaller, they require more fine motor skills. And number two, the shapes of these blocks are more complex. There are different, like, parallelograms. 
and they also have patterns. These are, are patterns that have the shapes drawn on the paper, and the child is then going to try to replicate that pattern. So in other words, when a child sees the pattern drawn, that's just another higher visual perception level. They might be able to superimpose a block on top of a block or put a block underneath the other set of blocks. But when they have to replicate or copy what is on the template piece of paper, that becomes even more difficult. But these patterns on the templates, you know, they make elephants or different animals and things. So a lot of times the kids think this is very, very fun. They really, really like this. So this is called visual-spatial relations. And this, again, teaches the child the significance that things have an order. Now, another visual perception skill that's very, very, very important. We don't think about this every day, but it is called figure ground discrimination. This means we want to know what is the figure and what is the background. You know, if you were ever at a basketball game, you went to go watch the Laker game, and somebody says, hey, look over there. Look over there in the audience. It's Justin Bieber. And you're going to look, and you're going to look, and you're going to look, and you're saying, you know, I really have a hard time. I don't see him. Where is he? And your friend says, he's just right there. He's just, And he points to him, and you're still looking, and you can't find him. The reason that many people have difficulty finding somebody in a crowd like that is because they may not have the strongest level of figure ground perception. Their brain sees the faces of all of these people, and they have a hard time ignoring the background and just focusing on one face at a time. These are also the types of students that when they look at a book and they're trying to read a word in the book, they have a hard time keeping their eyes focused on one word and their eyes just dart and look all over the page and they keep looking at all of these other types of words. Or you may have seen the same thing. Maybe you've gone to the grocery store and you're looking for yams. You're looking for canned yams for a holiday meal. And you're looking, and you're looking, and you're looking, and you ask the clerk, where, where are the candied yams? Oh, yeah, it's right here on the second shelf. And you're still looking, and you don't find it. This is because you have poor figure ground perception skills. Now, figure ground skills are very, very important for many things. I mentioned how they affect your reading. It affects how you could locate people. But it's also very important if we're talking about just the way that you walk or the way that you drive. Because if you have poor figure ground perception, you can't keep your visual attention on what you're supposed to look at. You can't keep your eyes focused on your lane. You might keep looking over your shoulder and looking at the other lanes and you can't go in a straight line. It's also very very, very important for sports. 
when you see some of these professional athletes and you wonder how can they keep their eye on the football when you got all of these other people running after you to try to tackle you and the ball's in the air, these wide receivers have amazing bigger ground perception. So one of the ways that you can develop that in kids as they get a bit older is that when they're maybe six months to nine months and they like to play on the floor, we know some of the things that they really like. We can let the child go on a blanket and we could go ahead and use a very crowded blanket. What I mean by that is maybe it's going to be a quilt that has checkerboards and each checkerboard pattern is of a different pattern and it's a different color. So it's it makes it very, very distracting. Now, you might then put the child's Mickey Mouse stuffed animal that the child likes, and you want to see, is this child able to find Mickey? Initially, it may be very difficult for the child to find Mickey just because it is so crowded. In these cases, we may need to go to a blanket that is just going to be a uniform color, one color, and we're going to then maybe put three or four different stuffed animals with one Mickey, and let's see if your child could find Mickey Mouse. The same thing. Maybe the baby's going to be fed, and the baby's in the high chair. We could put a bowl of fruit, or we could put a plate of some other types of crackers, and we could put different things on that tray including the sippy cup, and we want to see, can the child find that? We could also do other types of things where we might put out more toys out there. Maybe it's the baby stroller. Maybe we have a a mobile crib. Maybe we have a few other toys, and then we're going to hide Mickey Mouse, the favorite toy in there, and let's see if the child is able to find that Mickey Mouse toy. When the child starts to get a little bit older, we could do other types of games like this. One of the types of games that we could do is we can just use a dry erase board and we can use a dry erase marker and just make a random squiggly line and then get another dry erase marker and put another squiggly line and let those lines overlap. And you could tell your child, okay, put your finger on this line and let's see where does it end. Can the child keep his finger or her finger on that line all the way until the end? Or does the child get confused as soon as there's an intersection? There's also other types of games that are from the highlights books. You might remember some of those highlights books, but they have hidden pictures. So this is where they put a bunch of different images on the page, and then you have to find all the different things. You might be trying to find a dog or a cat. And if you are good with digital photography, you could do this with your own photographs that you have taken yourself. Take a bunch of photos and then just go ahead and put them all on the same page and allow the child to try to search and to find that as well. 
So that is what is called figure ground perception. And then the other types of visual activities that you could do is to develop your child's depth perception. Depth perception is teaching the child to know how close or how far something is. Initially, a child can see an object, but they really don't know how far it is. And when do you bring an object closer to them, the object usually looks bigger. But children, they don't know that when the object gets bigger, it actually means that it's closer. So we could do many different types of activities of that type to promote the development of a child's understanding of depth. If you're going to give them a sippy cup, move it closer and further. Don't just hand it to them right in their hands, but bring it closer and further and let them try to reach for it with their hands a couple times so they start to get that understanding of depth perception. You could get a very, very soft ball. These are balls that are made out of fabric, and you could attach it to a string, and then you can actually swing that ball closer and further to your child and then let the child go ahead and reach out to try to grab it. When the child gets a little bit older, you could use a balloon, and you could begin to play volleyball by tapping the balloon back and forth. So these are good ways to develop the depth perception. And as your child is beginning to walk, play games when you go for a walk and let your child go ahead and step on every line in the sidewalk. Play a game as you're walking. Okay, let's step on each line so they learn how to either lengthen or shorten their step so they could touch that line. And the last visual perception skill that we'll talk about tonight is we're going to talk about visual motor skills. These are the skills that a child is going to learn to use for writing and drawing. So it's very good to let your child get his or her hands dirty. We could have watercolor paints. Just let them feel what it's like as they're placing their fingers on the paper and they're going to be changing the colors of things. Let them do coloring. Very few kids are coloring with coloring books the way that they used to. But that is something that's very, very important. So they learn to do that. And as they're coloring, we want them to start on the left side of the page. Try to teach them to move the crayon or the marker from left to right and from top to bottom. If they go from right to left, they usually start to write their letters and things backwards. People often ask, is it good to let kids learn to use a keyboard at an early age? And I say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That develops their visual motor skills. It's also very helpful for them to be introduced to musical instruments, whether it's a piano, maybe they're interested in a guitar, but this also develops these fine motor skills as well. So all in all, we know that these are some of the visual perception skills that allow us to understand what we see. Now, in my private practice, I work with another doctor 
And one of the things is that there are many schools that refer a lot of students to us. And the problems are that these kids are not doing well academically. They have difficulty in reading and writing or math. And when we do this type of visual perception testing, we find that such a great majority of them have significant weaknesses in these areas. Now, these are kids who are bright. If you talk to them, they're very intelligent. There's nothing wrong with them. They're not hyperactive kids, but there's a lot of kids who are very bright who have specific weaknesses in visual perception. If you want your child or you know of a child who is having difficulties in some of these academic tasks, you want them to have a visual perception evaluation. Now, the visual perception evaluation is something that is performed by some doctors, not all doctors, not all eye doctors will do it. Only a very few will do it. But there are also some psychologists, educational psychologists, who will do it. One of the most effective tests is called the Gardner, G-A-R-D-N-E-R, Test of Visual Perception Skills. So this is a very good test because it will test each of these visual perception sub-skills that I talked about. And it will identify how weak are they. There's other visual perception tests, but they do not tell you which specific visual perception skill is weak. It might just tell you that the visual perception skills are slightly weak. But it doesn't tell you if it's the memory or if it's the figure ground or the spatial perception. And we need to know that so that the children or the adults can receive visual perception therapy. And there are optometrists and occupational therapists that provide visual perception therapy and these skills can be developed. In fact, there's many football players who have suffered from head injuries or other people who have been in car accidents and their visual perception skills have become weak. And these particular skills can be treated with visual perception therapy. So all in all, it's very important when we think about vision we examine the eyes, but we also have to eva examine and evaluate the brain to learn about the visual perception skills. So at this time, I'll open it up to any questions. If anybody has any questions, or if anybody's listening on a podcast and you'd like to email questions to me, I could be reached at Dr. Bill Foundation. That's Dr. B-I-L-L foundation at gmail.com. Uh, does anybody have any questions out there or any comments that you'd like to share? Okay. Well, I really appreciate all your time. And uh, this podcast, it will be up at the Braille Institute webpage at www.brailleinstitute.org. And i also like to thank uh, Dr. Joe Yurka tonight from Ayers LA for recording this. 
And this will also be up at AirsLA at www.airsla.org. So thank you very much for your time and have a great week. Good night, everybody.